0: Nick Webster here on Podcast Row, The Bear and the Ball. We are in Kansas City, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Ralph Perez, who is on the National Coaching Staff. Ralph, welcome to The Bear and the Ball. My joy to be here in this warm weather that we're experiencing
1: here in Kansas City.
0: Yes, it is currently 12 degrees outside, so it is colder than a witch's tit, I believe.
1: (laughs) I think that's what they say. Well, I arrived on Tuesday. It was 68, and yesterday when I was walking back to the hotel, it was 8, so that's a 60-degree drop the uh, variances of temperatures in the
0: great midwest so Ralph we, we actually go way back I took my first sea license with you in 1990 and neither of us have aged a minute which is beautiful to see
1: um, tell me what's going on with the coaching education with the Federation right now Right now, you know, the Federation has made major changes. You know, we have this first license that they've come through called the Grassroots, and that's really a a program that helps young coaches who are just getting into the coaching aspect and the Grassroots level, meaning very young, and and trying to get everybody to be teaching, even at a 6- to 8-year-old, the right right things, you know. One of the things that I learned a long time ago when I joined the staff in 19... 78 we brought over Helmut Schoen, who was the national coach of West Germany at that time, not Germany, and uh, he won the World Cup in 74. For those that are young and don't know that, that information, there was another century of soccer, the 20th. Um, we've come a long way. I, I did my master's degree, ironically, at Whittier College on the uniqueness of soccer being a sport that you can get a coaching license. The rest of the sports in America, you just attend clinics and take the information home. So this grassroots thing is a, a, a low level, entry level, and then what they've done, we've gone to the upper side of this spectrum, in the top, uh, what Helmut Schoen said, is you have to have a, a pro license, which we never had. But now we have a pro league, it's been here over 26 years. So now we have a pro license, which is something we want. So everything's a is an evolutionary process uh, with soccer in America. Uh, clearly for me, living it all, growing through it all, born and raised in the Bronx, Long Island, um, it's, it's a joy to see. I mean, it's something that, to be very frank, and I've been blessed to live as long as I live That Things I never thought I'd see, I've seen now in America. Talk to me about the components of the grassroots,
0: because obviously this is the very foundation. This is often the first taste of soccer that kids get. And it's so important in my mind that the message the coaches or the facilitators are giving these kids is one that's gonna instill passion, pride, and the desire to want
1: to make soccer their sport for life. Well, you hit it all on the head there. That's exactly what it's all about, because when you have someone taking a sport at the entry level, whether it be tennis, whether it be soccer, that first experience has got to be positive. It's got to be something that the kids enjoy. It's got to have that fun factor. And then it's got to be also teaching the fundamentals the right way. So what we really need in America is, because the sport has grown immensely, we need good instructors and what we don't, we don't have enough. So what we tried to do is let's get this out to as many places that is needed because um, the best teachers of the game and the rest of the world are youth coaches. And and we don't have that at this moment in our country. So this, this grassroots license is a big challenge for the U.S. soccer. I mean, they're trying to get millions of people to take this class and and then help them to then go on to what you've done your C, your B, your A and then now even the fact that we have a, a college license, a pro license, we've become very definitive uh, with our coaching education and um, I mean the things that are happening and in, in what I've seen in my, my time with coaching education and, uh, and the computer and as you walk around here all the analytical things that are there are important but still the bottom line for us with the young players they still got to learn the right technique i mean i heard dave Sexton, an english fa coach say it to me one time with the english preliminary badge you know just a simple thing the weight of the pass to be able to hit the correct weight of the pass and you know these are fine little points but they're important points and um, You know, what we see here in America, let's not lose sight of this, on the woman's side, we're a world power. I mean, we've won the World Cup, you know, we got four stars there, you know, 91, 99, and then we went back-to-back under Jill Ellis, so, uh, and I think what that has done (laughs) has peed off the rest of the world. And now they've put a lot of money into women football worldwide and even women pro leagues. So I I like what I see, but we can't lose sight that if we're gonna stay on the top, we gotta keep developing young players through that whole pyramid. And uh, and have an abundance of talent. You, you
0: you brought up so many interesting points and God I want, I wanna hit all of them, but one uh really struck out to me, you spoke about technique and, and what Dave Sexton spoke to you about, that weight of the past, this pace of the past. And we know, now that we're, you know, moving into our middle ages, we know that you get good at that through repetition the inter- interesting thing for me in my experiences of coaching young uh, american children through through the years is they don't really like repetition in soccer and it and it really it really confuses me Ralph because you know i've been, I've been you know works in high schools worked in colleges and i'll go to the gym and i'll see basketball players doing the same shot over and over and over again until it's grooved i go to the baseball diamond and it's the the, the batter or the, or, the, or the pitcher doing the same thing over and over again and yet i go to training and i say to to my players okay i want you to hit this 15-yard ball with the right pace the right weight after five or six attempts coach this is boring
1: as a very experienced coach, what is your retort to that? Very good, I think you touched upon everything that I use. I grew up in America, so I played baseball, I played uh, basketball, I actually played basketball and soccer in college, uh, two sports. Um, You're 100% right, gym guys, basketball guys are what I call uh, gym rats. They play pickup basketball, whether it's one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. I tell my players all the time that I've coached, whether they're youth, college, or even professional, that your perfection of your skill is what's gonna get you. Just like you hear all the time, your first touch. If your first touch is is not good, it's gonna put you in trouble. your first touch is good, it's gonna allow you to do the next thing. Um, So the hours of pursuit, and I tell this to young people, that it's not the hours with me that are gonna make you a better player. It's the hours that you spend alone when nobody's watching and work on it with your mates. You know, you go out there and you practice. And yeah, everybody after a period of time, even basketball guys, they'll shoot 50 shots, 100 shots. The best in the world go out there, if you ever went to a game, Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird, they're out there hours upon hours, Stephen Curry, shooting, 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 and, and it's gotta be the same as soccer. Uh, to shoot is a difficult skill. Uh, my mom, who's 97, says, why is it so difficult, son, to put that little ball in that big goal? You know, and it's a great question, and it's very simple that you have to have the ability to be able to have, to beat the keeper, the keepers have improved. They're, they cover more of the goal. But what, you, what you're touching upon is so important for young people to know and coaches, is that there are many ways to continue to build those passing skills in a different way. We know fundamentally, me and you knocking it back and forth, what players in the world, young and old, don't love a five versus two. They love it. So what we do is maximum touches too two. If you use two, we go another step. You use two, then the next one must be one. And to play one touch, you gotta give me a good ball. If you don't give me a good ball, I can't play one touch. So you bring that into it. My guys, I'm telling you, teams that I've coached were brilliant in our passing skills because that's the connection from player to player. Um, I work with some great coaches in the world. I'll just give you one, Carlos Alberto Pereira, the Brazilian national coach who won a World Cup in 94 with Brazil in, in the Rose Bowl in the United States. In that year with the New York team, he made a great analyzation for me to see. Okay, Tab Ramos. You pass the ball to Miles Joseph, who's now the assistant manager in Portland. 15 yards, good. 20 yards. Now, I just don't want it with the inside of the foot. Can you bend it? Can you hit it with the outside inside the foot? Then, okay, Tab, when you see him playing, make your run. To a space, can you hit the ball to space so that that guy can collect it on the run? So there's many things. Then he said, "Let's open it up 40 yards now. Can you put it onto Nick's chest? His chest. Try it, coaches. They can't do it. Give them 10 times. I bet you, you'll, if you're lucky, one or two onto the chest. So at our school, we say the bulldog. Redlands there. Put it on the chest. Try a simple thing. Just toss the ball eight. Eight meters, five meters, volley it back. To. So the ability, the skill. I watch Brazilian teams, club teams, national teams. If you watch their warm ups, I've copied it. Five, ten yards. We'd get a thousand touches prior to the game. We know in America juggling. Okay, we got kids who can juggle. But can you juggle on the move? Can you juggle and jog and run? Can you go fifty meters without it touching the ground? So you challenge players. So I think coaches. The application of psychology and coaching to challenge your players so it's not boring, not repetition. Yeah, you need a a couple of different ways to show what you want to show. And you adjust it to the age and the skill level. And that's all about coaching magic, I think. That's why coming to a convention like this is, I've been coming for years upon years, never get tired of it because there's so much to learn, something to hear, see, my favorite of all time Absolutely brilliant, became a a, a very, very close friend, Mr. Dick Bate, who passed on, which breaks my heart, the best I've ever seen as a coaching educator. Not only on a field session, but a lecture situation. And we became good mates, and uh, I miss him dearly because he was here many times. Probably the most popular coach to ever come across the pond to educate us over here in America. And that's a skill, and um, we're blessed that we, as Americans, love learning about the game and improving it. I just sat in on one today. Dog, logs back, I'm probably butchering his name, the former Icelandic coach that beat England, by the way. Um, his, his video- Thanks for because, mentioning that, Ralph. Well, it's all right. <laughs> I, I love England, folks, and I love English football. And uh, Mr. Dick Bate was an Englishman. But the point I'm trying to make is that we learn from a lot of people that have come to our country. And we're not so proud that we're saying we can't learn. We have to be open to that as players. We have to be open to that as coaches. We have to be open to that in administrators, is that we gotta keep improving our game and improving the way we do our game. And there are things that we still need to do better. But the one thing I challenge all coaches is, don't be, uh, well, I did it this way, I'll continue. Maybe there's a better way. Uh, when you look at our game, it's, it, there's, it, there's a change. Just uh, interesting comment that Franz Hook made yesterday that probably nine, no, 99% of you don't know. 1992, a law change that changed the goalkeeping forever. 1992, when you pass back to the keeper, he can no longer pick it up, he has to play with his feet. Sped the game up. You know, you watch Dino Zoff, how much time he took off the clock in the 1982 World Cup. You know, I'm I'm not exaggerating because I was at that cup maybe 15, 20 seconds before he put the ball back into play. And I'm I'm not saying goal kick. I'm saying a pass back or then he had it, he rolls it, picks it up, he has it, rolls it again, get everybody up and then knock it up. So the game has changed. The goalkeeper for sure then... Uh, two of the players that we had on the 92 Olympic team with Lothar Osiander, Brad Friedel Casey Keller they struggled because now you're asking them to play with their feet so now the kids today it's been in effect for over 30 years they can deal with it and that's a big part of the game FIFA told us in the last um technical report the goalkeeper now plays 80% with his feet and only 20% with his hands so you coaches out there you better make sure you you play a ball back to your keeper you better be able to deal with it everybody now is trying to play from behind you know the game has changed you watch English football folks the pitches now are immaculate they're fantastic there's no more mud games the 6 yard box the 18 yard boxes are, are beautiful so the game is a uh, has been to a point where uh, you're asked more of players, technically, tactically, and to be good on the ball going forward and be good on the defending side. You mentioned Dick Bay and uh,
0: how much you enjoyed his presentations, his work. What are the qualities you look for in a coach to facilitate the teaching and the We we use the word development of players. What qualities do you think
1: to help players really begin to grow? Well, it's funny you mention that um, because I'm substituting for Ray Reed on this convention who couldn't make it, which a lot of coaches had to pull out for different reasons. Uh, And that is one of our topics at one thirty today for young coaches, um, you know, to teach them... Things that maybe we already learned the hard way through experience, how you can, uh, uh, what's important, what's needed. I think as a young coach, the best thing is to learn, listen, watch. I'm, I've, I, I, my, my wife thinks I'm crazy, but I, I, I lived in Redondo Beach. I made, uh, when they built StubHub, I was a Galaxy assistant then. It's changed three names now, StubHub, and then it became Home Depot Center. Now it's these Health Sports Park. But I watch teams train. I love watching other people work to see how they do it. I watch all our national youth teams, 14s, 17s, 20s, come in there and train. Um, Our full national team. Uh, There's so much to learn, you know, about this game because... You may say I do it this way, but now you watch someone else do it. A Bob Bradley. Uh, I watched Hans Westerhoff with Chivas USA, who's really responsible for this new idea everybody has with passing patterns. The básicos, they call it in, in, in Mexico, and, and basically they're from Holland, folks. Hans Westerhoff's a Dutchman that took it to to Guadalajara to Chivas, but. Um, you watch you know I watched Celoto as a coach of the galaxy you know because I was doing the radio with Joe Titino I watched Bruce Serena train the team every manager has a different way to run a training session there's no right wrong way I mean the bottom line what it is is the result on the Saturday tells you if you're you're doing a good job with your, your team but there's there's a big thing that you have as a coach okay you choose an exercise that you're gonna do. I like the word exercise versus drill. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Bob Gansel always said that. But you have to decide what's the size you're gonna use? What's the width? So I tell young coaches, maybe you say the size is maybe too tight, they're not successful. So then make it bigger. I mean, we have cones now. Back in the day, we didn't have cones. Back in the day, we didn't have small goals. So what I do see now, when I go out and watch youth coaches coach, or teams prepare for a match, I see cones, I see bibs, I see plenty of balls. But what I wanna see is the right things being done. It looks like, it looks fantastic, but now what I see coaches do is just facilitate it. They go through this thing, no coaching points, no corrections, and the kids think they're probably doing it right when they're doing it incorrectly. Because the biggest thing that I learned from my C license from Mr. Dietmar Kramer, who came from Germany, that your team will play the way you train them. It isn't gonna be magic because it's match day that they're gonna elevate their game, they're gonna play better if anything they might, probably play a little worse because of the nerves and the match and and so forth depending at the level of soccer that you coach but I, I really believe that when you coach kids i i i i go to a, a, a non-soccer guy that i thought was brilliant because i attended his clinic john wooden famous basketball coach you see he said uh, he wrote a book that says they call me coach but the bottom line was he always referred to himself, I'm a teacher of basketball. I'm a teacher. So those that teach, you have to educate. Well, if you're a soccer coach, you've got to educate your players. And I think that um, that's the beauty that I love. I like to see my team come in in pre prepare them for the regular season. And if we're good enough, I always tell them, then we're going to make the postseason. It's very simple. And, and um, the hardest preseason, I mean the hardest team to, for me to get to postseason, I've coached Division One, level, two, three, I've coached professionally. Division three is the hardest. There's 438 teams and only 62 make it. Do the math, folks. There's no room for error. And then you take the automatic bids, then there's only 18. So you gotta fight for those 18 spots if you don't win your automatic bid. It's a real challenge. Uh, this season we had a brilliant run. We uh, lost to the national champions, Connecticut College, back there in Boston uh, in the 89th minute. They went on to win it all. So it's a challenge, but I also look at it if you're coaching AYSO in Cal South, if you're coaching you know, in a higher league, it's fun to make your kids get better. How much better is how, how hard you work with them to develop them and teach them the game. And I think, okay, I, I just bought four books because I love the program. It's called, What Drives Winning? But with American mentality, let's not confuse it. I don't pick up the LA Times and say, okay, Nick Webster just got canned for youth coaching because his team didn't win the league. I think you're developing players and probably like any of us, if you develop someone and it goes on and does a little more in the game, whether he goes to high school and starts or he goes to club soccer and gets an athletic scholarship, those are the rewards that you see. Um, And I, I, I think that parents and i want to address that if any parents are living and listening let's not confuse that my child's going to get a full scholarship because it's not very seldom and it's not like american football basketball where they get full scholarships but soccer is a means and a vehicle to help kids get some sort of aid and scholarship academic scholarships to go on to college and the college game is healthy college game is great it's gone it's gotten so much better and we're on tv the you know you look at santa clara last season they won it all look at that roster there's a lot of southern california there's no market, and I know my East Coast friends are always arguing with me, there's no market in this country enriched with quality players than Southern California. Now, why? We, we can debate that on another show, but clearly for me, as a former national coach, professional coach, college coach, um, it's it got a lot of good players on both sides, men and women, maybe even stronger on the women's side, And uh, I'm happy to see the pro league for the women, so young girls can aspire to be the next Mia Hamm, to be, you know, and, and you look at some of the girls that are on our national team, you got Southern California roots.
0: Last question for you, Ralph. And this one could be loaded, could be dangerous, could have a fuse attached. I like it already. One word, and I want your response. Rondos.
1: Good. With one word I, I have to say good.
0: Well, I've been, you know, obviously in this country a long time and they come and go out of favor with, it seems, whoever is currently uh, designing sure. the curriculum. and. I consider myself a student of the game. Yes, you are. And I remember you. Johan Cruyff,
1: obviously one of my favorite players of all time. Watched him train every day with the LA Aztecs.
0: Yeah, with the Norm Jackson, right? Correct. Norman um, Norman. Yes. And huge
1: uh, supporter of Rondas.
0: Why do they go out of favor?
1: I think people always see something for the first time. I remember the first time I saw them. And I got the whole manual from Mr. Westerhoff. When I saw him when I was working for U.S. Soccer then, and uh, he was with Chivas USA. Martin Vasquez, a good friend of mine, uh, is very good at instructing us. So when I brought him to a clinic that we did, I asked him, do the rondos let people see how it's done but here's the point folks that's why I I really struggle with the word good um, you you still got to coach it because okay you set the cones up the passing patterns the angles are good but I, I don't see correction when you ask them to play one touch to lay it off you know you got to get on them about the weight of the pass you got to get on them lead the guy into the space you got to get on them if you're asking them to turn with the ball be efficient in the turn because rondos are good folks but don't lose sight of this there's no defender and i think that's a big part of the game just going back to what we we're saying about shooting shooting is good at all oh, yeah the guys are tucking it away with no defense but once you put defense in there becomes a whole different ball game of why, go back to my mom, why we don't score. Quality defenders will negate uh, a good shot on goal. That's what a defending guy's doing. So when you do your rondos, folks, that's good. But I think at the end, I like rondos, for me, as a good, after you warmed up your athletes, as a good one to get touches on the ball. But then it's getting to the match-related stage and then obviously the match conditions. Because we, we think rondos is going to make us play like Barcelona. Well, folks, I've been there to Mesa, the academy. Yes, but after they do their rondos, they can still do the rondos in the game. And they find those angles in those places in the game. And that's what players need to understand. The, the Spanish are very good at what they call the half a turn to be able to receive a ball, Xavi and Anesta, five foot nothing. Win a World Cup, win a Euro Championship. So size is not a factor, but technique I still think is something special to have to play our game. And I think the one thing is that you combine technique, the physical qualities, the tactical understanding, and then you put it all in together like a Mape, then that's really difficult. Or let's take the kid from Canada, Alfonso Davison. You wonder, is he going to do it over in Europe when he left Canada, Vancouver Whitecaps. And my buddy Lothar ASEAN is a big Byron fan. He loves Davies now because he's playing well for Byron. he's doing well in the Bundesliga, and he's really helping Canada get to their first World Cup since it, '86.
0: Ralph Perez, coach, educator, and I will say legend in Thank the you. game in America. Thank, Thank you so much you. for Thanks. joining the Baron the Ball. My pleasure.